0: so trauma bonds are emotional bonds with an individual that arise from a recurring cyclical pattern of abuse perpetuated by intermittent reinforcement through rewards and punishments while many of us have heard about trauma bonding not many of us know much about it i think it's important that we educate ourselves and learn about it trauma bonds are not always limit limited to romantic relationships you know like we see in the movies or we read in books you know they always portray that only romantic relationships have trauma bonding it can also occur in parental relationships and just any other relation that you have with another individual on this episode of yours mentally we talk all about trauma bonding we learn about it there's so many things that i learned and unlearned about trauma bonding this episode is in conversation with nitya who is a counseling psychologist so without further ado let's get right into the episode so on today's episode where we talk about trauma bonding Nitya, what is trauma bonding and in what kind of relationships does trauma bonding exist?
1: So trauma bond is the widely accepted definition is that it is a relationship where the victim of this relationship feels like they are grateful to the perpetrator of abuse in a relationship for allowing them to survive and it feeds off from one person to another. Although I must say that there is No illness like trauma bonding. It is just a phenomenon that is characterized by a fear equation.
2: Okay, Mm, that makes sense. But how does a trauma bond exactly get formed? Like what are some characteristic features of a trauma bond forming?
1: While there has been no research to find out why it forms or
2: how it forms,
1: there is still an amount of understanding of what it is when it is formed and what it is one person's need for another person where they feel like if this other person is not there, then they cannot fully function in the best of their abilities. It's also characterized by high and lows of connection, a lot of emotional distance, but highly sexual attraction perhaps or physical attraction perhaps. And it also enables a bunch of harmful, deceitful, abusive behaviours. And both parties have a tendency to want to control each other's actions, thoughts and emotions.
0: I think I see that a lot happening. Like the last part you mentioned, like controlling each other, yeah. each other. I see it a lot happening in uh, relationships nowadays of uh, a lot of uh, kids my age, like you know,
2: between 16 to
0: 18. And I feel like it's it, it stems from something to do with their childhood i I believe that like you know probably they have controlling parents at home or you know they, they just see someone close to them who is controlling and so they they tend to be controlling as well and i think like it's rather than it being seen as something toxic it's romanticized as being protective and secure which i don't agree with do you, do you think it's It's okay to
2: be that way.
1: You see, it's a very gray thing, right? Like when we were young, and I believe when I was 18, I probably felt the same way that this is absolutely wrong. But it's important to know that trauma bonds are consequences. They are not something that people chose to form, they are consequences of of what happened around them. And whether it is viewed as toxic, or whether it is viewed as protective, really depends on the culture that it is being viewed through. And the culture plays a very important lens. Like, for example, the whole trauma bond and where it came from, is a very westernized culture. Hmm. But if you go into Asian cultures, most Of what would be explained as trauma bond is actually just a collectivist culture style. Could just be that that is how people have been generations and generations. But your generation, above 16 and even millennials, like till about Mm -hmm. 35, we've been exposed to a lot of Western values and pop culture, right? So our psyche is now uh, molded by what we believe is true for us which may not have been the reality for the previous generation.
0: Right. Yeah, I agree with you. We're too influenced by uh, movies, books, and television. Like, Especially a lot of kids my age. Like, you know, it's just like I gave, like an example I have to give is like, you know, relationships on, in, in, on television and all that seem really, uh, you know, it just seems like hot sex, going out on dates and all. And it just, it makes love look easy when it really isn't. Like, there is a lot of other things to it, which they obviously don't show on TV and, you know, yeah. there's a lot of negative things that they show. And I think they don't understand that if there are kids who are 12, 13, or even like below the, the age of that, they, they get influenced and they sort of develop those character traits in their adult life. Like they think, you know, what yeah. my favorite actor did this, my favorite actors did this, I think it'll be completely yeah. okay for me to do it as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Pop culture has always influenced so much of what we practice in relationships right like why do we even give roses maybe this person doesn't want you to pluck the reproductive parts of a plant and give it to them you know
2: (laughs) Um,
1: maybe they just want like a plate of biryani You, you never know so i i feel like a lot of our behaviors and who we should be in romantic relationships, including the sexual aspects of it, are very influenced by pop culture.
0: Right. So Nitya, what kind of emotions does a person experience when they leave a traumatic bond?
1: Well, what's been noticed is that for a lot of people, there is guilt because for so long they have spent loving someone or being affectionate and protective towards someone That probably may or may not have been good for them, but has been told is good for them or they believe is good for them, that it's very difficult then to start trusting your own self and be like, okay, maybe this is not good for me and I'm going to rely on myself now. That's a very difficult transition to make. People might think, okay, yeah, I'll miss this person or any of those things, which is true. But the bigger corrosion has happened to your own sense of self-esteem and your own sense of self. The trauma bond strips away the control that you have over your own thoughts, beliefs and actions and gives it away to someone else. Is it healthy sometimes? I don't know. But... Mm -hmm does it leave this person doubting of their own abilities? Well,
0: right. Also, don't you think like le- leaving a traumatic bond can like sometimes, like it, it, don't you think it's it's necessary? Like I feel like a lot of, of my friends, like I see them in uh, traumatic bonds with their boyfriends or their girlfriends and they, they just want to believe or they do believe right, so, that they're meant to be and mm. you know, leave, leave, leaving them would probably do them more harm than being mm. with them. And I yeah. think otherwise because like, Obviously, you know, you're not in the relationship. Someone from outside can see the problems with a non-biased point of view. And I feel like they just think that, you know, it'll probably do them more harm if they leave the relationship. What is is something you tell these people?
1: That their fears are valid. Hmm. I mean, it's probably true what they think because according to them, their reality is that this person matters the most to them. And without this person, they don't have a great life. Who am I to say your reality is not a good reality? I can tell you that it it may or may not be supporting you, and that it may cause you more distress in the future. But I cannot discount another person's ideologies. But I can show them that it may or may not be coming from a healthy place. That if they believed in themselves, and if they had confidence that they were good enough for their own life and they didn't need anyone else. Then after that belief, if they still wanted to challenge this relationship, that would make sense. But to just challenge a relationship because somebody on the outside thinks it's not healthy, well, you're on the outside. You don't know the inner dynamics of this relationship. Which is the big critique of of using psychological terms like trauma bonding, in pop culture ways, right? You can't just yeah. label and friend trauma bonded. That's right. it's a psychological condition, which means that it may not be trauma bonding. It may just be that this person 16 years old and right now the sex is great. Okay. I say 18. <laughs> but uh, please don't have sex below 18. But yeah. yeah, you never know because at teenage, you're not supposed to have a fully formed brain. You're supposed to be experimenting. So I would say teenage relationships are most often very volatile. But, but I wouldn't call them all trauma bonds. I would call them volatile relationships. And I'd be very careful to not label everything trauma bonding because mm-hmm. that's just a buzzword. It's this time's buzzword. 20 years ago, it was Stockholm Syndrome. And even yeah. that was not really well proven. Right.
0: right. Although when you spoke spoke, uh, spoke about, you know, how our teenagers are developing, we're not expected to know everything i think i agree with you like i feel like in india especially like specifically we just expected to do too much at a very young age when yeah. we can't like like you know like i just see us, like, so much happening around me like even in terms of education like you know all this iit je all of yeah. this i think expected to do too much they like the expectations placed on them are too high which which just, it it just isn't right for them because like i do not think many of them know how to cope with it like not everyone can be a oh, stranko, you know.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that random chase towards we don't know what, without even defining what success could be, can yeah. create very, very difficult relationships. And sure, like you said, the relationships we share with our parents reflect outside all the time. So yeah, if if we've grown up in environments that are that expect so much of us and put so much pressure, pleasing this person and, and getting that good job or that appreciation can create that sort of okay i i have to please this person or fulfill their needs for me to get a positive stroke
0: yeah and you know when you spoke about success i think this is this is what pisses me out the most like in india and even in the world success is majorly defined as earning money and making a name i it it is never defined as anything else like you know, know being happy or any of that it's just always money and a good name and i think that's I don't I don't think that's right. I, I find that very right,
2: you wrong. Know, right. Talk to capitalism. Yeah, yeah. So Nitya, I have a follow-up question. How does one help themselves cope when they break off a traumatic bond? Since we were talking about if someone breaks off a traumatic bond. First of all, don't label yourself as a traumatic
1: bond. Keep it simple. Go back to first principles. Is this relationship hurting me more than it's causing me good? Then probably I need mm-hmm. to leave it. You know? Yeah. General. Right. Don't go into the complexities of these things. These are these were words that were invented for academia. So we understand certain conditions better as practicing psychologists. Not for it to be like jars that human beings can go fit into. So I would say. Like really, first of all, first stop and ask yourself, okay, why did I leave this relationship? Was it overwhelming? Was it too much? Was I not ready for it? Mm -hmm. And then when you leave a relationship that you felt very on and off with or like it was very intense and you couldn't take it a lot, spend some time to go back and do some self-care. To take care of yourself. Get to know yourself again. What do you like doing? What do you like spending your time on? What do you like? How do you like resting? What is your language of love? Really go deeper inside. Because that's the only way to ground yourself and build healthier relationships. To understand yourself and your needs better. Like So many teenagers ask me, who's the perfect girlfriend I can have or the perfect partner I can have? Yeah. Perfect partner is your perfect partner. Yeah, Maybe yeah. you and your that's partner you love to game six, six, 16 hours a day and go to sleep drooling on your laptops and that's good for you, okay? Maybe yeah. you like to trek every weekend, okay? I, it really is about you finding out what you like and then finding somebody else who probably can be a companion in that journey.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Like, you know, like you said, pop culture, kids don't know what's, what's perfect. Like, for them, perfect is what's shown on television. I think perfect is what's perfect to you like it's it's very it's, it's like from individual to individual individual it's different it, it it can never be like you know one common thing for a collective that's that's
2: right yeah. yeah of course so nitya in what kind of relationships does it exist like what personality traits can make people more susceptible to a trauma bond can't say okay. i mean it doesn't matter
1: trauma bonds can happen to people in their childhood trauma bonds can happen to people in their midlife trauma bonds can happen only with one particular type of person and not with anybody else with mm-hmm. one particular type of relationship not with everybody else it's way more complex than a simple umbrella term Which is what I think pop culture has begun to use it as. Trauma bond has begun to become a word synonymous for just manipulative relationships or unhealthy patterns in relationships. But that's not true of all trauma bonds and of all relationships. It's not generalizable.
0: So, Nitya, I was reading recently and a common traumatic bond is one between a kidnapper and a hostage. So that brings us to the topic of Stockholm Syndrome what is stockholm syndrome and what kind of people experience stockholm syndrome uh,
1: <laughs> stockholm syndrome was first coined nils following the bank heist in sweden the situation was that there was a young woman in the bank heist who got to befriend the the people who when they hijacked the bank and it's a heist, she right? yeah it's a heist so yeah. when and, and she talked them down and she made sure that all the hostages were released, I think. And, and this psychiatrist coined this term without ever having spoken to this woman. Mm-hmm. And were asking her why she trusted her captors more than the authorities.
2: Mm-hmm. Which
1: brought it a lot of slack, uh, a flack. Uh, because, you know, how do, how do you just do that? It can just be a coping mechanism. It's basic survival, right? Like when you're stuck in front of a bear you're not going to run you're just going to pretend and play dead yeah that's how you survive in the wild with certain animals Mm -hmm. so what why can't this just be a somebody choosing the best coping mechanism to survive a particular situation or b why can't it be seen as a form of empathy that hey like this person's hurting they're causing us all pain why can't i just connect to them right if we're if we're standing on the Golden Gate Bridge, for example, so many people um, attempt to die by suicide from the bridge and people talk to them, right? And, and they empathetically get them down and they save their lives. So isn't that also manipulation? So just yeah. call something Stockholm Syndrome is is so problematic because it's sexist, it's misogynist, it's um, it was coined by someone. It's not a legitimate diagnosis. We don't have any, like there, there hasn't been any evidence-based research. But what Stockholm Syndrome does have is a bunch of movie directors and authors who <laughs> thought they could
2: romanticize. It's <laughs> so
1: <laughs> oh, yes. Bias that we talk about something like this. Like so many people talk about split personality. There is nothing like that, it doesn't exist.
0: Yeah. You know. I think even for split personality people like if someone you know like yeah I see this a lot happening uh, with kids my age I don't know if it happened in your time but if someone you know does something to their friend or acts two-faced as I'd say they call it right now they'll be like oh this person has bipolar you know that's immediately the term they throw so yeah
2: Yeah. even if someone yeah even if someone's slightly moody they're just labeled as bipolar yeah. that yeah, yeah. they have bipolar disorder. Yeah, in my time it was OCD.
1: Like you're, you, you like to keep your house clean. You have OCD. You, you <laughs> like to not throw away shit. You have OCD. But OCD is so much more than that, right? Like it's so debilitating. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's it's. Very much riding that thin line between destigmatization and popularizing.
0: So conclusion, a lot of movie directors have made a lot of money out of Stockholm Syndrome.
1: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it may not be really actually just that, be a trauma bond. It could be lots of other things.
2: So, do you think that Stockholm Syndrome is a clinical diagnosis? Like, how does one treat it? How would you as a mental health professional treat it? I just told you it isn't
0: one. So, I'm not sure if you saw the movie Highway, but it's like a popular movie that apparently portrays Stockholm Syndrome. Do you think yeah. it's an accurate representation of it? And if you do, then why?
1: First of all, like I wouldn't say it would be an accurate definition because there is nothing called
2: yeah.
1: hmm. a Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah. There could be different versions to it and different truths to it and different realities to it. But there is nothing like like I can't just suddenly say, say this is not blue right it's blue, blue, blue but with, with conditions like this there is no one single definition but I would say that it is an unhealthy bonding pattern it is an unhealthy attachment pattern it may or may not be supportive but there are so many more aspects to it right so if you look at the movie highway I did watch it I loved it but that's mostly yeah, because I'm <laughs> Alia Bhatt fan
2: but <laughs> oh, okay <laughs>
1: So because like the movie portrayed so many nuances to it, right? Like it wasn't just straight up. Okay, now you're my captor. I like you. No, it was also that this captor was not a black and white person. This captor was also a person who had grace, who had good parts to them and not so great parts to them. We all have it. We all lie. Sometimes we all misremember things. Sometimes we all try to hide our shame by painting ourselves in a better light. Sometimes. Not all of that is manipulative and toxic. Manipulative and toxic would be if is if this person didn't have a choice and felt coerced and is actively being played with. But sometimes we're just doing it because we're scared. You know, your mom yeah. said, did you lose that Dabba, that Tupperware Dabba? And you're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> mom's Tupperware. And you're going to lie. You'll be like, no, 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 something happened to me. <laughs> So I think, I think it was a very interesting movie that showed a lot of grace that didn't push either of them in a box that uh, showed us that people can do unimaginable things in unimaginable
2: situations. Exactly. And in that, we also saw that during her childhood, she experienced abuse. Mm. So it wasn't only just the Stockholm syndrome or the, the fact that she was kidnapped, but she actually felt a real yeah. connection with someone after a long time. probably. Yeah. Yeah and
1: abuse can be so many types of abuse right like in the last episode you did you did so many types of abuse and it's very interesting that we never see neglect as abuse we never see emotional unavailability as abuse but it is no of course
0: so, this brings me to the last question for today. How does one help themselves cope when they break off a traumatic
1: bond? I would say take that time to take care of yourself. <clears throat> Go to therapy. <laughs> <laughs> that is my approach. exists so they can help you make sense of your brain. Figure out what it is that led you there. Figure out in what ways you can... Protect yourself from walking into the same type of relationships because, you know, we all do have a type. And to perhaps be more mindful, practice mindfulness exercises in any way. <clears throat> mindfulness need not be just meditation. Football is mindful. So, yeah. your. I think I would I'd be very wary of these new words and buzzwords and new labels because they're mm-hmm. just they're like puff sleeves and bell bottoms they will come and go out of fashion but your feeling yeah. your thoughts your emotions they remain throughout so go back to first principle at any point of time just be like how am i feeling how's my body doing and ignore these buzzwords yeah. right.
0: Okay. right so nitya you know you mentioned about abuse in trauma bonds what exactly were you talking about could you explain in detail
1: like, there is no actual, like, way way or reason why trauma bonds form, yeah. Like, like I can tell you that you and I can both be, like, we, gr- we can grow up in the same environment with the same parents and one of us can develop trauma bonds with our romantic partners and one of us can develop trauma bonds with our bosses. And if we had a third sibling, maybe that person would never develop trauma bonds at all. So, I can't predict that, like, X leads to Y. I can tell you that X contributes and that's a huge difference in in the space of science which is not a huge difference in the space of art and performance right art and performance as an actor or myself I can tell you that we're not representing all of the all of the beggars when we're playing a beggar on screen we're playing that beggar so when Alia Bhatt is playing that particular person she's playing that particular person she's not playing all of the people who ever got kidnapped
2: yeah Of course. Mm-hmm. And important
1: to make a distinction because your trauma bond may not look like your best friend's trauma bond and both of you might be in a very traumatic relationship yeah, yeah. and that's very important and that's something pop culture won't tell you
0: pop culture is bullshit honestly i I, I don't <laughs> like it at all it's just there for like entertainment it shouldn't be there for influence
1: how old are you aman i'm 18 <laughs> when i was 18 i got up in class one time and i said i hate feminists and my teacher oh. told me down <laughs> and she gave me Ars Poetica and uh, I think a book by Ira Gubler and she said read it and then come back and tell me what you think again. I think as a, as a very ardent feminist now I must tell you that religion and pop culture have done more good than they have done bad but they're both just tools. It's mm-hmm. really how we use them. If you use them for betterment of people around you, then you can use them well. If you use them for worse, then it's worse. The entire country of India wouldn't have hospitals if it weren't for Christian missionaries. But the entire world wouldn't have so many wars if it wasn't for Christianity.
0: Right. So uh, this is quite a good episode, honestly. Learned a lot from it. A lot of misconceptions cleared, I'd say. A lot and a lot to take back from it for people as well. So thank you, Nitya, for being with us.
1: Thank you, Aman. This felt so nice. Thank to everyone so who's
0: much. listened to Leo, thanks for listening. I'll see you in the next episode. Okay, so before I end the episode, I think all in all, that was quite a good episode. I learned a lot from it, particularly about Stockholm Syndrome. You know, all this while I actually thought it does exist and it is a real thing. And, you know, she just proved that, you know, no, I wouldn't say prove, but she kind of told us that, you know, why Stockholm Syndrome isn't even a real thing it was and she explained the story behind it which is so interesting it's something that uh i did read during my research but a research for the episode but i didn't know about it like from school or i hadn't heard about it from anyone else you know uh pop culture really does make us believe a lot of things are true even though they're not you know like <laughs> we do hear things from my um, from our favorite influencers and we're like oh yeah this must be right you know because We kind of look up to those people and we think that, yeah, they're going to be right. But uh, there are times that they, you know, are not right. And which is okay. It's, you know, it's not compulsory that uh, you have to be right all the time. But it is important that before you preach something or before you spread information, you do your research on it because it's really important to, you know, say the right things if I had to put it that way. So yeah, that's about it. I enjoy this episode and I hope you do as well and I'll see you in the next episode. Take care.